You're listening to Token Talks, brought to you by Wing Venture Capital. I'm your host, Zach DeWitt. All of those use cases require an infrastructure brokerage layer to help you combine liquidity, route you to the best prices, settle and clear those trades, integrate custody so that you still need all of those feature sets. And so we're really building that layer that could be the on-ramp from fiat and more traditional asset classes to this really cool crypto decentralized world where then there's all kinds of stuff in DeFi and other places that are going on that you can engage with, you know, once you're in Ethereum, for example. Today, we're joined by Mark and Kevin from Tagomi. Executing large orders of digital assets is really difficult. Tagomi makes it simple by combining institutional-grade services with superior execution technology for digital assets and cryptocurrencies. The company's products provide operational ease and reduce trading costs for institutional investors. Tagomi marries years of trade execution experience in security markets with deep knowledge of digital asset markets as the team has worked at established financial firms like Citadel, Two Sigma, Virtu, KCG, and Goldman Sachs before starting Tagomi. I think you will greatly enjoy today's episode. Mark and Kevin, welcome to Token Talks. Please introduce yourself. Hey, Zach. Thanks so much for having us. So I'm Mark. I'm one of the co-founders of Tagomi. Previously worked more on the investment side in the space, investing in seed rounds of companies like Algorand, investing in Blockstack and Zeppelin and others. I, uh, at Tagomi, do a lot of work on the business development side and sales piece. I'm joined by our COO, Kevin, and I'll let him introduce himself. Hey, thanks for having us. I'm Kevin Johnson. I've worked at a couple of different trading firms prior to Tagomi. So I worked at Citadel, Two Sigma, and GetCo in a couple of different either development or business management roles. Uh, and like Mark said, I'm the COO of Tagomi, and I focus a lot on the product development, uh, a little bit of technology, product design, and uh, whatever it takes to get stuff done. Great. So some of our listeners uh, likely have heard of Tagomi, given a recent funding announcement. But what, what is Tagomi? Yeah, so the two important parts of Tagomi is we are an electronic agency brokerage in the digital asset space. And so on the electronic side, that means that we hook up to multiple liquidity sources and allow folks to place larger and more sophisticated trades um, using multiple liquidity sources. Uh, electronically, we route to them whoever has the best price and deepest book. But it doesn't really stop there. We also automate the settlement and clearing piece, working with partner banks, and allow folks to deposit and custody with us as well. And we use third parties that are integrated to us there. So all in one place, all electronically, is definitely one of the selling points. Um, the second is agency. So what that means is we are never on the other side of the bet. We don't trade on principle. We don't market make. And so we have the ability to do everything in the client's interest and be fully aligned. And so part of our transparency is generating post-trade reports, showing folks how trades are executed. And so those two innovations in the space, being able to do things electronically, um, as well as on an agency basis, was something that we had consistently seen missing um, in 2017, as many of the LPs or co-investors of ours were looking to place larger trades and have a brokerage solution that could really bring together the trade execution, settlement, and custody pieces. And I have to ask, how did you come up with the name for Tagomi? 
The name Tagomi actually comes from the man, Man in High Castle. That was a book and show that I was a fan of. And the character Tagomi uh, was able to alternate between different worlds. And so for us, you know, we've really found our ethos is both mixing people from the crypto world and startup world with folks who have been through um, multiple iterations of different market in- infrastructure and trading and the more traditional Wall Street world as well. And so uh, that's kind of how we ended up coalescing around that name. And we had a couple failed naming studies that didn't go anywhere. So we stuck with togomi.com, which was only $9.99. No, it's, a, it's a great name and sounds like a great deal. So maybe this is a good uh, segue, uh, Mark, to talk a little bit more about the team. And you talked about mixing you know, traditional financial wizards with some of the more crypto forward experts and love to hear more about who you're assembling. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, Kevin is a great example of both. Joined us from Citadel, but was mining Ethereum in his basement to keep his house warm in Chicago. And obviously, before Citadel was at Two Sigma and had worked with Greg at KCG. And so, in fact, you know, out of the 16 people on the team, seven have worked at either Two Sigma, uh, Citadel, or KCG before. And so, you know, people who have seen trillions of dollars go through systems and built infrastructure in the equities, FX, and, and other more traditional worlds. But at the same time, um, you know, we have people on the team like my co-founder, Jennifer, who was an early adopter, uh, really pushed at Union Square Ventures to have more token exposure, more crypto fund exposure, and has seen iterations of this market backing many of the early funds and protocols and players, some of whom and the engineers in that group have now also invested in Togomi. And so it's really about being fast and agile. So understanding what traditional markets look like, how do we get there quickly, but at the same time, understanding the nuances around custody in the space, around decentralized exchanges, around staking, around kind of who the market participants are, around the assets themselves. And so we think that to have an effective platform that can guide the institutional investor and have them be able to place larger trades and to have best execution and to do other brokerage services, you have to have a deep understanding of both the ecosystem and traditional markets and do it in a compliant way as well. And so we, of course, have you know general counsel and a CCO as well. That team came together really through a mix of different networks, um, sort of Jen and the Union Square Ventures Network, but also Kevin and others who had their own networks from HFT. So when you launched Tagomi, obviously some exchanges uh, were doing quite well in raising mega rounds, Coinbase and Binance come top of mind. So how did you think about your differentiation in terms of your product in terms of your customers and how you could kind of navigate so you wouldn't be directly competing with some of the large incumbents. For us, you know, the exchanges are our partners. We hook up to multiple liquidity sources. Many of them are exchanges, also electronic market makers um, and different liquidity sources. We are the layer on top. And so, you know, we definitely saw that increasing exchange volumes, but also at the same time, strong exchange fragmentation. And so being able to tap into liquidity pools across the world with exchanges in Europe, Asia, the US, and be able to facilitate larger trades was really important for us. So the brokerage is maybe the next iteration in the ecosystem where you start with these exchanges that currently also are doing you know, settlement and clearing and also doing custody and doing many pieces of the stack. But as the market infrastructure evolves and folks are asking for best execution across multiple exchanges and combining that liquidity as you need the ability to settle and clear between exchanges um, and having to build out those banking networks and automate that treasury function. In many ways, you know, the exchange ecosystem was version one. It'll continue to be a huge one. It'll continue to be a large part of our partnerships. 
But for larger investors and folks looking for best X, being able to have a brokerage service as well is really important. We've got lucky to have some really great brokers and clients um, who saw that vision early and now are using the product. So just so I understand it, so what Tagomi does effectively, say I'm a family office and I want to uh, invest $25 million into Bitcoin rather than going to Coinbase or Binance, where the execution is just happening within that exchange and that liquidity pool, I can um, use Tagomi. And Tagomi would help me find the best prices across multiple exchanges and would also help me with better and more secure settlement. Is that a decent description? Yes, absolutely. So that's fair. And even if you had access and you created accounts, let's say on five different exchanges, there are some things that are different. So for us, because we've built out settlement workflows with the different exchanges, you know, if you were doing a $25 million trade, you wouldn't have to split it up into five, five million pieces and allocate it to five exchanges. And then maybe they're better pricing on two of the exchanges, but you're limited to the five million you have on each. So in addition to having more liquidity sources, it's also about making sure that your money gets the right place at the right time. And in order to do that, you also have to build out banking relationships and networks at the same banks that the exchanges are on to facilitate that sort of settlement. So there are kind of a few distinct parts that are different. One with us, instead of going through the process of onboarding at multiple liquidity sources, you can just onboard with Tagomi. Two, you don't have to split up your balance sheet and predict where you should have the right cash and coin. Tagomi does that as well. Three, we enjoy, obviously, great fees across different, not only exchanges, but custody providers, bank accounts, and others as well. So we've found time after time, family offices have looked at the space and to truly get best X, have to end up opening multiple exchange accounts, maybe other liquidity sources like market makers, bank accounts to do escrow and settlement, custodians afterwards. And so if you're really looking for the sort of best execution your compliance department might demand, it's a lot of work. And so in equities, you could go to interactive brokers or you could go to Goldman's agency desk. But in crypto, you don't have those options. And so Tagomi is, is, has built that and is now allowing folks to do it. But it's not just family offices entering the space. One of the oldest funds in crypto, Pantera, for example, is a client and had connectivity to many exchanges and had built out many of the features, but still uses Tagomi for trades because this is our expertise. This is what our engineering team has done time and time again in equities and in FX. We have full-time people working with custodians and banks. We've automated the settlement piece that normally you need a back office for. So, you know, the $28 million we've raised, the team of 16 people we have is all committed to basically building this out. So even advanced crypto funds, other folks that have come to market and are using us like Paradigm as well, it doesn't make sense even for larger, more institutional crypto funds to necessarily be doing this without using someone like Tagomi. That's really impressive. It sounds like a full suite product and you have some really great adoption. For, you mentioned Paradigm and Pantera. So in terms of customers, Mark and Kevin, who, who are you guys targeting uh, beyond crypto funds and family offices or is that the, is that the target pool right now? Yeah, those are definitely two of the uh, bigger categories for sure. We're seeing where the institutional adoption is, is still one layer removed. So when you look at the really large endowments or pension funds in the space, you know, they're not necessarily directly investing, but you'll see that Yale's uh, endowment has invested in Paradigm. And so when they trade with us, we are doing best price execution to help at the end of the day, this really large uh, nonprofit entity keep more of their returns. If you look at pension funds, you know, they're not directly investing, but they're 
investing in folks like Morgan Creek, who also have onboarded and are trading for us as a client. And so we're indirectly seeing a lot of the institutional capital going more through the crypto funds that we have onboarded and our clients and are trading with us that we're very grateful also in those two specific cases, both Morgan Creek and Paradigm are investors as well. And so, you know, for us, it's really targeting primarily now the crypto funds, their family offices on the platform. Many of them had early exposure to Founders Fund or USV and and that's been very helpful. But we really see that's more of where the market is. There's also many high net worth individuals. But in terms of the really large asset managers or banks, we haven't seen necessarily the volumes coming there yet. But what we're building is certainly the foundational framework for it. And that means getting the right licenses. It means having the right tech. It means having the right post-trade reporting and transparency and alignment. So we're building and we've built the infrastructure to support you know, much larger clients, like when Greg, uh, he ran Goldman's electronic trading desk for 13 years. So globally, all electronic trading and settlement at Goldman rolled up to Greg. And so if you look at things like our post-trade reports, which shows clients exactly where we executed trades, those post-trade reports, you know, are modeled and improved upon what he would give clients at Goldman's agency desk that were doing massive multi-billion dollar trades. And so just having the exact same sort of robust infrastructure and standards and transparency, and in many cases, same engineers um, who are building this out in equity, I think is a definitely powerful solution that resonates. That's great to hear. And Mark, what digital assets does Tagomi support today? Yeah, so it varies by location to location. So, you know, right now we're integrated with 10 different liquidity sources, you know, between these exchanges and market makers are able to offer up, you know, most of the top 100 assets. So it comes down to a question of not, you know, what can we trade from a tech perspective, but from a legal and regulatory. So what we do is for each jurisdiction, we sort of set, um, you know, what's available to trade on a jurisdiction by jurisdiction basis, making sure that we're compliant. And so on the compliance side, if you think about, you know, if you're in a certain state like New York, you're regulated by the DFS. So Tagomi has a bit license. I believe we're the only agency brokerage to have one, but we're also operational in 20 other states. And on a state by state basis, we get the MTL licenses in places like the UK. You know, we engage with the FCA. We make sure they're aware of what we're trading. Um, same in Hong Kong, where we met with the regulators. So it really kind of varies. For us, it's important, obviously, not to have unregistered securities on the platform. It's important to be able to, on a jurisdiction by jurisdiction basis, remain compliant. Our platform is only for accredited investors, so we do not take retail. And being for only accredited investors, we're also you know, expanding now to a more unique product set. So when you think about lending out coin, trading on margin, shorting, as we build all those systems out, it's definitely targeted not for retail, but for accredited investors who can use these more sophisticated tools. And what's the status of the Tagomi product today? Are you fully in market? Is it a beta in market today? If I'm a new family office listening to this, can I come to your website and actually sign up and request a demo and start the process? Absolutely. So we are in market today. You know, started externally doing trades back in December. Uh, have been doing them for the last few months with a lot of the largest crypto funds in the space, family offices, other clients as well. We have an advanced trader product that we have rolled out to a limited set of clients um, and an API product as well that we've rolled out to a limited set of clients. But our core product is live. Uh, people go to the website, kind of sign up for an invite. We got lucky enough to have a pretty big uh, backlog. So we've been prioritizing sort of larger players, but um, hiring you know across 
across uh, Chicago, SF, and New York, especially on compliance and onboarding. So we're excited to be onboarding more clients and to have them trading with us. That's definitely the best way to learn about product features and, and what folks want. So we've got a really great set there. And backing up a minute, what, what does it mean to have your bit license in New York? Talk about the significance of that and what that allows you to do. I came over from the investing side, as did Jennifer, who was at Union Square Ventures. And in 2017, we heard quite a lot from family offices, LPs, and you know, co-investors and others that they were looking really for a full suite solution. And so we saw products on market that were more software-oriented. We saw other products on market that were trading on principle, but we didn't see anyone who was agency-oriented and at the same time being able to have a full suite solution. And so for us, it's important to be able to handle and manage cash and coin. Um, and when you're doing that, you have to be regulated. And so in the United States, you need to have on a state-by-state basis, different MTLs. And the one in New York is called the bit license. And it's a bit kind of like a souped up MTL in that it has additional uh, requirements that look a little bit similar to a broker dealer in some ways. And so being able to have the bit license in New York means that we can operate and be able to manage money and cash and coin with the set of assets dictated by the DFS. And so that's great for us because it allows us to operate in New York State. And I think to date, only 18 or so, but licenses have been handed out. Um, it's definitely a process that requires a lot of like security checks, background checks, those sort of things. Um, we're mapping out workflows. And so we got lucky to get that. I think in general, though, as we think about regulation, we feel that it's important to be compliant. Obviously, that's, you know, we have RIAs trading on our platform who've never bought Bitcoin before. So there's standards there around compliance and security that we think are really high, and we're happy to meet those standards. But I think kind of stepping back, um, obviously, sort of more streamlining regulatory mandates would be nice, especially for startups, because it's expensive to kind of go through all these processes. So for us, you know, we think it's really important to be compliant, but we're also advocates of maybe standardizing more in certain countries. You know, you don't have sort of a state by state orientation that costs you money with each state and you have to post bonds on each state. And so, you know, it's also interesting as we engage the FCA in the UK and other regulators, you know, how sometimes it's a bit more standardized. So one question I always love um, getting entrepreneurs feedback on within crypto is the market sizing and how you think about market sizing. How do you think about the market today and maybe what the market could be in a decade or so for Togomi specifically? Yeah, definitely. We are pretty focused on the market today. I think that there's enough interest in players in the space, whether it's crypto funds, family offices, index funds, which offer a really nice way to get into the market as well. Any of those different ways, there are folks engaging and there's a market there. So for us, it's really about just perfecting those tools. Um, you know, with our API product, being able to automate and rebalance and support index funds with our advanced trading product, being able to help uh, crypto funds that are trading more based on metrics and quantitative signals. And then for our traditional product, you know, for family offices and others to have kind of the clean transparency, post-trade reporting, easy account management when it comes tax time, everything's in one place. So I think there's definitely enough clients and interest to be able to design and create the right products. For us, obviously, it's a play on the space will become much larger. And so there are sort of three or four pockets where we would like to see the industry develop and we're seeing the industry develop. So one is obviously on just Bitcoin as a store of value. Is it a replacement for gold? And of course, you know, Bitcoin started uh, more as a payment method, uh, at least in its original sort of design and architecture, but then also got adopted very much as a store of value case 
space. And, you know, there's probably something to be said about maybe it also working in payments increasingly, but we have to see much more adoption in either way uh, from Bitcoin in terms of going from more tech and libertarian to, you know, larger institutions really seeing it as that an innovation on gold in terms of its limited supply, its ability to be transferred and the features around it. So I think that's one bucket where we have to go from, you know, Bitcoin is a hundred billion dollar market cap to it's a real alternative to gold, which obviously um, has a much, much larger valuation. You know, the second area that there's a lot of excitement and improvement is smart contract systems. And so, of course, Ethereum is one that's already being used for all kinds of cool DeFi applications, um, has a strong developer community. But there are others in the works as well, the Blockstack, Algorands, Definities, EOS, others of that are kind of approaching it. But Overall, we need to see smart contract systems get much more scalable. And then, you know, the tokens associated with them will obviously be more valuable. And that second key sort of opens up the third, which is having applications on top of smart contracts. And again, you already see that in certain cases, but um, seeing applications that also have, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of users, and then the utility tokens around that or the application tokens around that um, is important too. And then lastly, we follow the growth of security tokens. And so there, I think it's a little bit more of a question, do you really need you know, a token to represent a real asset? There certainly it's not the same in terms of a tech innovation or being decentralized. So there's a strong case either way, but a rebuttal to that could be that it opens up more access. So things are traded 24 seven and it incentivizes more markets to become liquid. And maybe it's easier now for people in Asia to access US stocks or markets. So you know we're definitely going to see how sort of the security token market evolves. But all of those use cases require an infrastructure brokerage layer to help you combine liquidity, route you to the best prices, settle and clear those trades, integrate custody so that we chose between 20 different custodians, we chose to integrate three. You still need all of those feature sets. And so we're really building that layer that could be the on-ramp from fiat and more traditional asset classes to this really cool crypto decentralized world where then there's all kinds of stuff in DeFi and other places that are going on that you can engage with you know, once you're in Ethereum, for example. Uh, those are great snaps. I totally agree with everything you just said there, Mark. So you guys are on the front lines of institutional investors' interest in crypto, and you're having a lot of behind-the-scenes conversations with family offices and uh, larger players that, that may want to start investing in the space or at least exploring the space. What can you tell us about those conversations and about interest in crypto? Obviously, the Bitcoin has doubled over the past, and price has doubled over the past uh, six weeks. So people are starting to notice it again and pay attention to it again. And is this something you're seeing in, in your customer conversations? Yeah, for sure. Those conversations really vary from group to group. So different folks have different theses on the space. And there's there's one group that's trading more obviously around like market movements and looking at technicals and thinking about, you know, when they want to trade, how should they buy, how should they sell, and sort of really looking much more at technical indicators. There's another group that, you know, is sort of interested in the space, but thinks that it's better to take an approach maybe through venture firms, for example, and want to invest more in infrastructure and companies. There's others who have bought the use case for specific tokens. So, for example, Bitcoin is still the vast majority of the market, or at least above 50% and where most of the interest lies. And so, you know, there are people who have also bought into Bitcoin, but really want to see how other things play out as well. And so it just really varies. 
if I were to kind of step back and look at the trend, I would say the trend is that most people want some sort of exposure, but they are doing it indirectly. And so I think right now, venture funds that are participating in these markets and specific crypto funds that are participating in this market, you know, have a lot of interest, especially from kind of the more traditional family offices, uh, endowments, asset managers, and folks like that. But as people get exposure through them, at the same time, internally at a lot of these organizations, you have people who are really up to speed. It's just that if you go and you sit there, it's sort of like a divided room. So you have like certain people who are really excited, but then you have others, you know, whether it's compliance or banking or other pieces of the organization that think that, you know, it's not quite time. And they're looking for things like post-trade settlement to be much more sophisticated, transparency, best execution, custodians they've heard of. We're kind of at this really interesting inflection point where I think there are actually very few institutions that don't get it, but they're kind of doing a reward analysis and figuring out timing. And so, you know, our hope certainly is to bring more people into market by answering their questions around best price execution, especially. I think the other big thing is in addition to their, you know, just desire to want to own the assets, you know, there's, there's a question of their capability of being able to invest in the asset class. And I think, you know, the advent of brokers like Tagomi is really making it possible. They've had concerns in the past about, you know, how many exchanges do they need to onboard with? Do they have to take a selfie with their passport or wire money to the Bahamas or take care of all those things that normally they wouldn't have to do in other asset classes? So I definitely agree with Mark's point that they have the desire now. And I think now through prime brokers like Tagomi, they have the capability to work with a counterparty that they're familiar with that can handle a lot of those details as part of the trading and settlement and custodial process. Tell us a little bit about your fundraising to date. We set out to build this company because folks had asked for this specific product. And so, you know, we got really fortunate in being able to, in our first round of funding, bring on board people who who had asked and wanted it. And so Founders Fund was, you know, a great example of that. They were the largest investor in our first round, as well as other folks like Collaborative Fund, also a client and investor. And many family offices actually came on board and invested in us because they were interested in this product as well. And so we, we got very lucky last year in terms of not just having engineers from places like Citadel and Two Sigma who had built these products before and someone like Greg who had, you know, built and sold it twice, but also to build alongside investors who wanted to use it um, and gave us really great design feedback. Um, their compliance teams gave us feedback. And so we were really able to build alongside our investors, which I think is pretty unique. But we we doubled down on that strategy. So after our first $15 million round, we decided to raise another $5 million, got over $25 million in subscriptions, so went with a $12 million second round, which would be for clients only. And so the strategy there was after we launched in December, we had a lot of clients who weren't just investors, and many of them asked to be. And so we got very fortunate there to have Paradigm um, lead our last client round. And you know they were just really a perfect partner in many ways. Obviously, Fred Ursum has been in the space early, co-founder of Coinbase, and Matt Wong came over from Sequoia and had done a lot of investing there. And Charlie was actually an angel investor of ours, so he got to kind of double dip there. And so, you know, it's been great, obviously, working with them, having them trading on our system, giving us really great feedback as well, having even more complex asks than some of the venture firms, and then other really great clients as well. So Pantera ended up investing, uh, Multicoin, uh, Morgan Creek, 
co-ventures. And so just a really great list of clients who, you know, have seen all the different products and have very specific asks around wanting to now lend out and short. And it's just great working with people who, you know, have done some of the first shorts in the space to figure out how do how should we do that or actively are, are lending right now, but want the capability to compare lending prices. And so as we become more and more of a full suite brokerage, having a lot of the people we respect and admire and think are kind of at the cutting edge um, in the space involved and have real skin in the game, I think is something that's very different than really any other startup or the large traditional players who aren't going to get that immediate sort of feedback from where the, the actual client base is today. Yeah, that, so that actually was a good segue to my next question. I wanted to ask you about your product roadmap. You mentioned um, that some of your investors and users are asking for more sophisticated tooling and features and workflow and products. So what are some of those, th- those things and what, what can we expect on your roadmap over the next you know, year or two? Yeah, so we're definitely looking to add you know, additional tokens to the platform, cover more exchanges to increase the liquidity that we have access to. And then, you know, like you were saying, a lot of our clients are looking for additional features like being able to short, being able to use margin, being able to lend out their coin, you know, really the full suite of financing activities that you would see with a traditional prime brokerage. So we're working with a lot of partners in the space to figure out what's the easiest way to add that onto the platform and make that the same kind of seamless experience that people have today with our smart order router. As well, we're looking at things like, uh, as part of our cold storage solution, how do we add features like staking or governance voting or the other types of participation that people would expect to have with their assets? Um, So those are all things that we're definitely working very hard on now. So I'd love to talk a little bit about the shifting gears to the crypto landscape. And you guys are a big part of the progress that's being made. Tagomi is really important infrastructure for crypto to mature and professionalize into an institutional asset class. What are some of the projects that you guys are tracking and, and most excited about outside of Tagomi? So I'm definitely excited to see all the smart contract platforms, you know, not only improve their features and functionality and speed, but also to see people build, you know, additional apps on top of those. So uh, I'm a big fan of Ethereum, and I think it'll be interesting to see what they do for improving their speed and features, as well as a lot of their competitors that are coming up to see you know, what people change and, and uh, what people are able to do differently with those things. So I'm excited for that. I think that's what's going to cause a lot of additional investment in the industry as, as well. And that's, you know, the thing that Tagomi is going to help with is when investors see projects like those, um, you know, get lots more adoption or have additional tokens for sale, we'll be able to help with those things. And what are some important trends you guys are observing right now beyond some of the, the projects that are about to launch? I think decentralized exchanges is, a, is an important trend that we're seeing. I think people realize that, you know, any centralized exchange has a certain amount of risk associated with it, both the counterparty risk as well as the security risk. So we're taking a look at being able to trade on DEXs uh, as part of our smart order router. There's a lot of new challenges that come with that kind of technology, given that you're trading on the blockchain, your trading isn't really, it's more asynchronous than it would be in a normal matching engine. Uh, so we're making sure our technology is is able to interface with those markets as they become more liquid and as more there's more demand from our clients to trade there. So Kevin and Mark, as as you think about, obviously you're very focused on customers and product right now. But if you pick your heads up a little bit, what's the the big vision for Tagomi over the next decade? The vision for us is for it to be pretty much the world's largest financial platform. So it's a really, really ambitious goal. But our view is that the more interesting assets in the future will end up being in tokenized form. 
And we think most or many of them will be kind of based on decentralized platforms, but others could also be real assets that are tokenized. And so for us, we think that as kind of the world changes, the platform supporting kind of this new asset class needs to be a different one. It has to have a really unique skill set and the ability to blend things like custody and decentralized exchanges and decentralized assets and staking. And all of those feature sets will be required in the future. And so for us, a platform takes the best of the past and you know understands how equities and FX and what clients want, but at the same time evolves that in a nuanced way to what we view as you know a really really exciting and interesting asset class that could end up being you know one of the largest in the world. And so being that modern platform and um, being able to support a range of clients on that platform is our vision. And so we're starting where where the market is today, but are building the team and the culture to match where it will be five or 10 years from now, which we think could end up being the largest play. And we're definitely looking at the technology in a way that's sort of modular. We're building pieces that will be reusable. You know, today they can trade cryptocurrencies on centralized exchanges, but tomorrow they'll be able to handle any digital asset that has, you know, a couple of features in common, like private keys that need to be stored carefully in cold storage or interfacing with different types of markets that require a smart order router. So these are all building blocks that we can assemble in different ways to trade in different markets as the landscape evolves around us. How do you think about some of these new platform coins launching? So Facebook, Telegram, Signal may maybe launching their own crypto asset. Do you think are those types of platform coins interesting to Tagomi and, and interested in potentially supporting? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd say they really are. I mean, those are going to be key for commerce in a lot of different ways. People are going to want to use those not only on their native apps, but you know, potentially in, in other ways on different forms. And what's interesting for Tagomi there is, you know, as a sort of an on-ramp for fiat currency into those, we can help provide liquidity in those tokens and help people uh, sort of get onto those platforms with, with whatever native currency they're starting with. So I think we have an interesting role to play there. The key takeaways from today's episode are, one, executing large orders of digital assets is really hard. Tagomi makes it simple by automating best execution and settlement. Two, for crypto to mature into a credible asset class, infrastructure like Tagomi is critical to making trading, settlement, and custody more professional and institutional. And three, Tagomi has an exciting product roadmap, including adding more tokens to the platform, integrating more exchanges, and adding more financial features like shorting and staking. Thank you for listening to the show. We're trying to make the crypto ecosystem more mainstream and welcoming. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review in iTunes and share this with one person you know who is trying to learn more about crypto technology. You can reach me on Twitter at Zachary DeWitt or email me at Zach at wing.vc. Thank you.